This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever and however you are listening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Happy Monday. We start a new week with you, uh, but the same old series, talking <laughs> about the de-churched. Uh, we are using a text uh, called The Great Dechurching by Jim Davis and Michael Graham, and if you're following along, we're going to be looking at the information contained in Chapter 9, uh, which is in Part 3 of the book, which is uh, the hopeful turn. How, how can we be hopeful? How can we minister, engage, and and help connect those uh, de-churched individuals, uh, at least among de-churched evangelicals, at least 51% of them say that they, they see themselves one day returning to the church. And so how can we, as faithful, loving Christians and uh, ministers, help make that day draw closer for them? Uh, joining us in studio today, uh, out from behind the glass, not just pushing the sliders, <laughs> but dropping the wisdom, is our intrepid producer, Andrew. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. Thanks for being here. For the record, us. I am still go after, at the beginning of every show, running out, pressing the button. So I am doing both. You are doing both. Way. Multi-talented, <laughs> multifaceted. Man. And he gets to edit it after it's all done. That's right. right. He, gets he gets to, to, to do yeah. whatever yeah. he wants. Oh, he he gets gets to have if he drops an embarrassing bomb, you know, he can just <laughs> cut it out. You know? he gets He's the really puppet master behind Hearing my own voice for multiple minutes is punishment enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> you get to truly have your cake and eat it too. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And yep. I can truly say none of us can do what you do, my friend. So no, we can't. Let's get into this topic. And we've we talked a lot about these three Bs, um, behavior, belief, and, and belonging, um, and how they are all interconnected and vital and necessary for uh, the, the Christian uh, practice and Christian faith. Uh, today, we're going to look at what the authors call relational wisdom. And that is, there seems to be a pattern among the de-churched that when the church's behavior deviates or does not align with what the church says it believes, it creates a crisis for them and, and even begin to questioning. And so some of the questions are, um, no longer is Jesus true, but rather, is Jesus even good? Mm-hmm. Or is Jesus even beautiful? And that that's connected to perhaps not good behavior in the church, We've talked off air a little bit about some of the moral failures among church leaders that can contribute to de-churching. Um, and is Jesus beautiful? So um, is the behavior of the church attractive? That is, is there a, a loving community that, that would be attractive to the de-church? So uh, they include six aspects of uh, relational wisdom. Uh, they'll define it this way on page 134. To grow in relational wisdom and relational maturity, we must possess at least six key awarenesses of God Awarenesses of self, awareness of others, awareness of our emotions, and awareness of how others perceive us. So um, we'll just tackle these one at a time. We'll get through as many as we can. Um, How does God awareness uh, help us as Christians live with relational wisdom? Well, it's, I think, uh, part of the root and foundation that we've, you know, we've talked about is our understanding of or our belief, faith, and a part of that is understanding you know, who God is, what he desires of us, what he requires of us. And he 
requires us first and foremost to have, uh, you know, Jesus summarize the entire law with two laws, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul talks about the whole law being summed up in the law of love. But being aware of, of God means not simply that we have this vague general belief in God, but that we are actually seeking to understand who this God is as he has revealed himself in his truth. To quote the book on page 135, it is our God awareness that grounds us and makes us, makes all other awareness truly possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the authors uh, quote something that we've quoted here before, you know, from John Calvin in his Institutes of Religion when he says, mm-hmm. nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and ourselves. And then going to what Andrew just said, you know, it's the knowledge of God. You know, when we know him, uh, then we can also act as his image bearers and and relate to others as well. Yeah, this is the old Latin phrase out of the Reformation, quorum Deo, right? Mm-hmm. That we have an awareness that we are always living before and in the presence of God in all of our interactions and in all of our behaviors and and all of our goings and comings. We are always before the presence of God. And so uh, living with that sense of awareness that we are before his face. And uh, for those of us in Christ, his gaze upon is upon us with grace and favor, mm-hmm. which allows us then to to live with grace and favor toward others. Well, I th- mm-hmm. and, and I think that, you know, this whole idea of awareness of God actually gives us a certain amount of uh, boldness and comfort in the presence of those that are de-churched. You know, the, uh, God talks about evangelism in this way, you know, one plants another waters, but it's God that gives the increase. I don't even really have that bear that responsibility of the increase. I bear the responsibility of a certain amount of faithfulness mm-hmm. uh, on my part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus continually in, in John 15, as he's teaching his disciples on the night of his betrayal, uh, to abide and remain in him. And, and that's that's this, this idea of God awareness or abiding and remaining in Christ at all times, so that our identity, our behavior, all of our beliefs are rooted and grounded in him. Mm-hmm. And then it's that, that the community that results out of those who are abiding in Christ together mm-hmm. is what then proves our discipleship in Christ, or can mm-hmm. even demonstrate to the unchurched that we're, we're living as the true church, our love for one another as we abide in Christ together. Yeah, and his sovereignty and his providence, uh, you know, um, we're all interrelated together. You know, we in him we live and move and have our being, which gives us a certain comfort in knowing that our stories, when they, when they do happen, when we do meet that other person, uh, this is all part of God's design and plan. And, you know, so I don't have to worry about how I'm engaging <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Something you mentioned, uh, you know, the, I think you phrased it like the light of God's face or, or something to that effect. I think that's really key and important as we consider God awareness especially as his people. Mm-hmm. You know, if, as we close our worship services, we give the benediction. And uh, that's not just simply the uh, the end of the service and saying, mm-hmm. all right, everybody pack up your stuff, it's time to go. The end? Is that the not, end. That's right. not what no, you're no, saying? No, no, yeah. <laughs> so what the benediction is, is, you know, as God gives it to us in in number six, that's like kind of the first official benediction that he gives Aaron, call it the Aaron, Aaronic benediction. It's a pronouncement of his name upon his people. And it's a conveying of I mean, uh, of the relationship that we have with him. And with that ironic blessing, it's uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. Mm-hmm. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Mm-hmm. And so those those phrases, uh, the light of his face, the lifting up his countenance is is all the I mean, picture of how we look at our kids and think about as, as we see our kids running towards us and our faces light up and smile and that love and that fellowship that's there. That's the image that's being given there that God is sending you out into the world with the knowledge and understanding of who he is as your heavenly father and the love and the light that he has towards you in his face. And if we keep that in mind, that should in a perfect world so affect our horizontal man relationships that we look on each other with that light and love as well that God looks upon us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you guys give our listeners maybe some just some practical ways that we might practice God awareness or the idea of quorum Deo in our daily lives? I mean, be super practical here. What, what are something, something they could maybe put into practice in their daily life to, to live with a, a greater awareness of God's presence and face upon them? From the book, it's quoting Hebrews 2, 1, I believe. It says, open the Gospels and hear their song once again, and then paraphrasing, and to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So I think that's pretty simple, as in, open your Bible. And I, I, I love that, and hear their song once again. As somebody who, like myself, has been a Christian for so many years, it baffles me that I could still learn something from the Bible 28 years later. <laughs> Living and active, my friend. Yes. And so maybe listen, you're like, well, that sounds really simplistic. Like mm-hmm. you guys are telling me the great thing I can do to live with greater goodness is actually open his word and read it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the sad truth is most of us don't. Mm-hmm. We don't practice that daily discipline. And so we need that great reminder. Mm-hmm. There, we're, we're being serious when we say right, the exactly. word of God is living and active right. and source and fountain for life. The the word of God is our our spiritual food. Mm-hmm. And as we read the word of God, one, it's, it's his, it's how he speaks to us. Um, he does not speak audibly to us as you know, he once did to the prophets. He speaks to us by his spirit through his word. And as we read it, meditate on it, he is feeding us. Mm-hmm. And just like our physical bodies, if we stop eating, we're going to waste away and die. Right. And so too, spiritually, if we stop reading his word mm-hmm. and feeding upon it, we will waste away and die. I think there's something also about doubting your doubts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, the, what comes back to me is I remember John the Baptist when he's, you know, thrown into prison for pro- proclaiming uh, a behavior to the king, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know he sends a message to Jesus, who is his cousin, who he's been the one that he's been preparing the way for Jesus, and uh, you know he's he says, uh, "Are you the one, or we, do we look for the, another?" And basically, Jesus tells him everything that he's uh, everything he already knows. You know, is mm-hmm. really he tells him everything he already knows. So we don't div- doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light, and I think that's one of the ways we live in His presence. We, mm-hmm. we, he's revealed Himself. He revealed Himself in the Word, like Andrew has pointed out, and uh, you know, He's revealed Himself in His church and and that. And we don't begin to doubt those things that He's already right. revealed. Yeah. And I, I had a question baked in here, and I'll, I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. It's one hundred percent selfish question. Because I think we, we we all know the the stereotype January first. I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year. <laughs> go through January Genesis. Okay, great Exodus. A little confusing, and then then we get to Leviticus, and mm-hmm. then it's drop it off. So, 
where would you guys have if somebody hadn't read the read the Bible, or even somebody like me who had read the Bible cover to cover before multiple times, where would you have them start? Would you have them start in Genesis and then go somewhere, or do you have a place where you would say, "Hey, start start in the Psalms or start here"? Like, where where would you start? I I think reading the first eleven chapters of Genesis very foundational to everything. You know, then and then come to and then come to the Gospels. Maybe uh, you know, and you could choose any one of those. You know, you you know, the Gospel of John uh, would be a good one, or the Gospel of Mark moves really quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. But you know, you begin reading there, and then uh, maybe read uh, Ephesians. You know, so uh, you know, just you know, you can pick and choose. You don't have to read the whole Bible, but I, I would I would start the first eleven chapters of Genesis and then go to a Gospel. Because that's where it all changes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, sin is into the world, and Genesis tells you why you're in the position that you're in. Mm-hmm. Gospels show the recovery of that. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, for, for for maybe those that are you know experienced Christians. I mean, because it is something that we, I mean, we're, we're called to be in the Word. Um, I I I think people need to understand that God does not prescribe how much we read mm-hmm. in a day. He doesn't prescribe. Uh, how much we meditate on. And I think one pastor friend back East that I think is a good system to have is just to have a commitment to read one, at least one verse a day. Mm-hmm. You just have a commitment to read just one verse a day and think about it. And sometimes you'll read more. Sometimes you'll just read that one, but just the act of reading that one and then maybe more someday if you have time. Yeah, for me, it's the same place as Jonathan. Almost always the, the Gospels is the place I recommend people to start with um, or the Psalms just because of the breadth of the human condition experience mm-hmm. that they describe. Well, dear listener, we hope that uh, today's episode has helped you uh, experience more of the presence of God or at least a greater God awareness. If we can provide resources or connection to local churches, please feel free to email us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. And we hope to have you tune in tomorrow. <laughs>